Good morning. How are you guys? Well, it is a good day to be alive. It is a beautiful morning to wake up and love Jesus, is it not? Have you ever had one of those weeks where you just felt like you fought to get to church? Well, it was one of those weeks for us last week. Um, I apologize because I got a little bit of cough, but I was not going to let it stop me this morning. I'm excited to be here. So I have a confession. Okay, so when I speak, you know, I'm a very direct person. I struggle with my stories more than anything else. Like, I think I have to prepare for them more than anything. And so I wrestled all week long everywhere we went, you know, sitting in waiting rooms. I was like, I just don't know how I'm going to open. Well, what came to me last night was, I, and I think Chris has shared this before, but I thought it was just super appropriate, and I felt like God just left it to the last minute on purpose. But 25 years ago, January 1st, Chris and I met. Yes, we're about to celebrate 25 years of marriage in May, and if you did the calculation, yes, we married very quickly. Um, so, yes, we were very young. We were 20 years old. So um, the way that we met I, was right after I'd celebrated Christmas and New Year's with my grandmother in Kentucky, um, I drove up to Bible college. Chris had already been there for a semester, and I parked and was carrying all my things up to my room, and there was a room, a building right next to the girls' dorm where Chris was doing his student ministry. It was the telephone lines. And he had walked out, and he came up, and he helped me carry all my, my clothes, and there's a lot of them, to um, my room. And he said that as we were walking up the stairs that God told him that I was going to be his wife. He didn't share that news at the moment, which is probably a good thing. But, um, but at, at one point, someone had said something like, hey, Kentucky. And I was like, why'd they call you that? And he said, well, I'm from Kentucky. I said, I just drove here from Kentucky. And he pulled out his driver's license and showed me it was Somerset, Kentucky. I said, that's where I just drove from. That's where my grandmother is from. And so a day went by, and he came up to me in class, and I was telling him how I was about to go to my aunt's house, which was about two hours away. And I said, but, you know, I haven't found anything in town yet. I don't know where the mall is. That's important stuff. I don't know where the Y is. I had a membership. And he's like, well, I'll show you. So he picks me up, and that night... We went to the zoo. They were still decorated for Christmas, and we went ice skating. Um, and then after that, he took me to the tallest skyscraper in Columbus where we could see the whole city, and then we went out to eat. And so I went to a payphone. You know, we did not have phones on our person back then. So I went to a payphone and called my aunt, and I said, I don't think I'm coming tonight. I think I'm on a date. And she was like, well, are you? And I said, I think so. And so we have um, not really been apart since then. <laughs> and, um, and I share that to say that we, we have gone a lot of places together. We have done a lot of things. But among my favorites, my first would be raising our three girls together. But secondly would be doing ministry together. We have done ministry together all these years, and it has been the joy of our life. Like, we actually tried to not do ministry a, a season in our life, and it lasted for three months. And we're like, okay, we, we, we can't not. This is just who we are. And so we absolutely love this. And I'm so very excited because today I get to talk all about that. I get to talk about the vision of destiny, um, and it has just been bubbling up in me this week. Chris and I have actually spent the last year kind of trying to refine the vision and the, the mission statement of destiny. And this is a really difficult and challenging thing to do. 
even if you've ever tried to do this for your life or for your business, it's a very difficult thing to do. Um, and, and we've had kind of a difficult year, as a lot of people have had a difficult year. Um, there is nothing like difficulty and challenge to cause you to reevaluate priorities and clarify calling. And we have had a lot of inspiration of, as of late for that. Calling is a difficult thing to define. Purpose is a difficult thing to define. They're both very simple in a very complex way, if you understand what I'm trying to say. Summarizing who we are as a church in a concise and accurate way is difficult. Our goal has always been a mature and healthy church, and we know the proof of maturity is bearing fruit. So I want us to start today in John. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn to John 15. And I'm going to read to you verse 5, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 8. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And this is Jesus who's saying this. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We're going to skip down. It says, this is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Our goal here at Destiny is not energetic worship. It's not emotional responses. It is not even loud amens. Our goal is that when people leave here, they leave and they go home and they're more loving spouses. That they're more faithful in their parenting. That they're better employees. That they're peacemakers in their neighborhoods. That is what fruit looks like. That's what maturity looks like. But maturity also multiplies. If the Spirit of God is in us, we will bear his fruit, and his fruit multiplies. The transference of this fruit is called disciple-making. Uh, that is why we're doing this four-week service or um, series, because uh, disciple-making is paramount in our faith. Because it's paramount in the scriptures, if you read it. It's all over there. It's so important. And so we're asking every community group, no matter how many times you meet, that you would do this. We're asking every home, every group that calls destiny their church that you would do this, because it is so important to who we are. So let's pray before we get started. Lord God, I just thank you, first and foremost, personally, for this opportunity to stand before your people. It is an honor, and I just ask that I speak what you want to be spoken, Father God. And I just ask that you would prepare all of our hearts, all of our minds, and all of our spirits today. Here we are, Father God. We just ask, use us. We know that if you can use anyone, you can use us. And if you can move anywhere, you can move here. And we just say, have your will, Father God. Change us. Make us different today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today, I'm going to walk you through Destiny's vision, core values, and mission statement. We have, these, these are going to come out very concise. We have spent a lot of time going over and over these and talking about them with our team and bouncing them off. But what I'm hoping to do today um, is to, one, help clarify who we are, but two, to also help you understand the importance of disciple-making. Jesus' very first disciples were fishermen. And you see I've got my little boat up here today. And Jesus leaned into their profession and said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Well, we're going to lean into that today, and I'm going to use a couple of mental pictures today. We're going to talk about a river, 
and we're going to talk about a boat. And I think it will help us to understand these three things a little better, the vision, the core values, and the mission statement. So a river is in motion, right? I want you to picture this in your mind. It's going somewhere. Our vision is where we're headed. It's where the river is going. The difference in a river and a flood is the banks. The banks keep it controlled and moving forward. The banks are like our core values. The mission is what gets us to our destination. The boat is like our mission. So as a recap, the boat represents our mission, the banks our core values, and the destination our vision. As pastor of destiny, we have two overarching jobs. One, it's to protect the institution. That's all the work behind the ministry. And two, to advance the kingdom. That's the commission of every believer. I'm going to walk you through the scriptures today to explain that. Advancing the kingdom is where we're going. It's where we're going as a destiny, but it's where each individual is going. It's the call for all of us. It is the desired outcome. It is why Destiny Church exists. All the other aspects of ministry exist for that purpose. The institution could be compared to the riverbed. It has to be in place for the river to flow just like the banks need to be in place. Now, there's lots of talk. Lots of people will talk about, like, I like, I like God, but I don't like the institutional church. Well, those are people that don't understand that it is that that actually helps the, move, the river keep moving. Like, we need those things in place to keep it going. And we, we know that that's important for growth. And not only that, it's very biblical. If you look in the scripture, you see in the scriptures where um, God or Jethro told Moses, Jethro was his father-in-law, <coughs> that he needed to appoint officials to help judge the people. He needed to put some order in place. We see it in the building of the temple. We see that they made preparations, that they delegated. They had to put some order in place. And then we see it again in the New Testament in several places. But one of them is where the apostles appointed people so that the apostles could focus on ministry. Again, they had to put some order in place. It's very important for the river to keep moving. So um, Chris and I, we shared this before. We were youth pastors for about 15 years. And the very first youth pastorate that we were at was in Kentucky, and we started at 22. So we were not that far removed from our kids. We would have parents come into the room and say, where are the adults? I'm like, that's us. It does not happen anymore. But, <laughs> but um, we used to take our kids to this music festival called Ichthus. It was this great big music festival. There were close to 20,000 people, about 18,000 people that would go to this thing, and they would camp. You would show up, and you would just see this sea of tents. It was amazing. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we took our kids several years. The last year that we went, we got this bright idea. I actually think it was his idea that we, we would take this great big tent that the church had. It was a preaching tent back in the day where you would set up a tent outside and you would preach in it. Well, it looked like a circus tent. And so they got the idea, okay, instead of us going down early and setting up all these little pup tents, because we take about 100 kids, he said, instead of us doing that, let's go set up the big, um, the big um, circus tent, and then we'll section it off. We'll do girls on one side, boys on another, the kitchen over here. Yes, kitchen. I said kitchen. So uh, we would take a, like, gas grill, and I would cook in these big pots, like spaghetti, beef stew for these kids the whole weekend so that it would save money. It was crazy. Um, I so would not do that now. But, um, 
But so, so it, was, it was great. They went down early. We get there. It's amazing. We're like, are we not the envy of the entire place, right? We've got this huge tent. Everybody thinks we're cool. Everybody wants us to be their youth pastors. It's just great. And so it was great until the last night. The festival was all over. And we're going to sleep. And, um, and, and it is raining, but we're not really thinking anything about it because we're safe inside our circus, circus tent, right? Well, I kept hearing cars, people were leaving, and we're like, oh, people, you know, they have little small tents, so they're leaving because it's raining, right? And at one point, one of the girls, actually, a couple points, she comes and she's like, Miss Jody, Miss Jody, I'm getting wet. Well, I'm really tired at this point. I'm like, we just got to sleep. It's fine. And so even there's a loudspeaker at one point, but it's very muffled. We can't hear what they're saying. And so I don't remember what time it was in the middle of the night, but finally, a representative from the festival comes and says, you guys need to leave. And I go to get up. Well, my air mattress is pretty much floating at this time. And we look outside, everybody's gone. Like we had created this false sense of security inside of our, everybody's gone. It's a major storm. Like they have spotted a tornado and they're evacuating the whole place. And so by this time, there's complete chaos, 100 children, you know, complete chaos. I'm the only one who's OCD in the whole group. So I'm trying to count the whole time, you know, it's just like ants and everybody's packing. Our bus driver is not on site. And so we're waiting for them to come. At this point, literally, not an exaggeration, the wind is so strong, it is blowing our circus tent down. And our, our van is stuck. So the teenage boys get behind it to push it. And you know what happens when you're in mud, it flies all over them. So we finally make it home. Well, I say all that to say that pastoring often feels like that night. It's like hurting teenagers in a major storm. But we have to make sure we always remind ourselves what the vision is. What the vision is. Where we're headed so that we don't get lost in the chaos. Our lives, each of us individually, our lives can be that way. We know it's true. We all have to realign ourselves in the middle of our chaotic and busy lives. We can lose sight of the big picture if we aren't intentional. All these things that we're talking about today are things that we have put in place to be intentional. So here is our vision. You guys ready for it? It's going to blow your mind. Destiny Church, Church exists to advance the kingdom of God in our homes, our city, and our church. Is that simple enough for you? We just figure like that just summed it all up. And you'll notice we started with homes because that's very important to us. We think that, like, if you're not doing it there, you can't do it anywhere else. So it's absolutely important. This is where we're headed. Our core values are like the banks that control the river. The banks are what gives the river its power. And we've been asked in the past what destiny's focus is and how to categorize it. Well, that's, that's a really tricky thing. That's a tricky question. It's hard to do that. And I, I think what they're really asking is what is your culture? What are your core values? Um, our culture has always been one of simplicity. We try very, very hard not to make things complicated. Um, and our core values have always been the same. And I think hopefully most of you know them. You want to say them with me? Christ, community, cause. Like it's always been that for us, will always be that for us. And we chose Jesus first, hopefully for the obvious reason. I would challenge any church that does not put it first in their core values because Jesus should be central. But we chose community second because we believe it is so important to our maturity. It's so important to advancing the kingdom. It is so important to disciple making. We need to find our people. We need to find our people. Now, we know 
then not everyone's going to find their people here. And that's okay. Jacksonville is a large city with a lot of churches. We need more churches. Um, there is a place for everyone, but for whoever chooses destiny, we want to be their community that comes around them. And then the causes of Christ. We believe that's why we're here. That's how we advance the kingdom. We advance it in our community, and we advance it by supporting his causes. Those have always, always been important to us. You know, I've had a lot of jobs. Most of my um, jobs that were kind of different were in my 20s. After that, I got very specialized. But in my 20s, I had jobs that I liked. I had jobs that I didn't like. I had jobs that I just needed the money, so I did. Um, among some of those, I worked in daycare for a very long time. I was a receptionist. I was a um, administrator. I was a teacher. Those were some of my favorite well, for about a semester, I worked on a family farm. I worked on the harvester. I worked in the office. I helped make meals, which is probably where I learned how to cook for all the teenagers. But I made meals for the workers. I helped um, clean the workers' houses. And all that work helped me to do what I do today. I can clean a toilet really well from my time on the farm. Um, I can. There are a lot of things that I can do today that I pulled from those things. It was kind of like wax on wax off. You don't realize that you're learning the lesson until you get in a position where you need it. Well, it's important to keep our eye on the destination and work is how we get there. Our mission is where hard work comes into play. The vehicle we are traveling in is our mission. This is how we are going to accomplish our vision. This is how we are going to get to our destination. This looks like work. This is where we use the oars and we learn to work together. I'm going to read to you, if you want to turn there, Ephesians 4. This should be a familiar passage for most of us. <clears throat> I'm going to read 11 through 12. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the, the um, pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. We were equipped to do what? To work. We were equipped to work. You will notice in our mission statement that I'm about to share with you that we believe so much in our core values that we included them, but we added some verbs. Work takes action. Accomplishing this vision will take action. So here is our mission sta statement. We're going to accomplish our vision by becoming mature followers of Christ, Belonging to an authentic community and building kingdom causes. Did you guys get that? Okay. Over the next three weeks, what we're going to do in our series is we're going to break down those Bs. We're going to talk about those action words. Um, we're going to look at them individually. Uh, we're going to look at become. We're going to look at belong. We're going to look at build. And we're going to break down what it takes to see that come to pass. But before I touch on that briefly, I want to ask the question, what makes um, or why make disciples? I think that's very important for us before we start off. Why make disciples? Well, the way that we're going to accomplish our vision and mission is through disciple making. Jesus was an intentional disciple maker, and he's our example. He's the one that we're supposed to model our lives after. He gives over 400 commands in the Gospels, and more than half of them are disciple-making commands. That's a lot of commands. Obedience to this is where we go from admirers of Jesus to disciples. 
of Jesus. Disciple-making is part of our destiny. It is the fruit we produce produced in others. And disciple-making is so, so important. It takes the whole body to make disciples. Acts eleven twenty six 26b says, The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The words Christian and disciple should be interchangeable. Did you hear that? I know that there are many people that hear the word Christian and they don't think positive. But when we, when we hear the word Christian, we should think disciple of Christ. We should think someone who follows in the footsteps or, of Jesus. Someone whose aim is to look like Jesus. So I'm going to read to you what we call the great commandment. We're going to find that in Matthew 22. And I'm going to read you 36 through 40. And it says, teacher, they're questioning Jesus. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I think that means you really need to listen to this. Take heed, right? This is really important. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's heavy stuff. It's important stuff. When Jesus puts an emphasis like that, it means it's important stuff, right? Now I want you to look at what we call the Great Commission. That's in Matthew 28. And I'm going to read to you 18 through 20. And it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, Now, keep in mind, these are some of Jesus' very last words. You always save your very last words, your most important words for last, right? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I just love how he gives us that encouragement at the end. Like he lays on us this heavy stuff, and he's like, but I'm with you. Don't worry about it. I'm with you to the end. Okay, so I'm going to read to you a quote. This is um, from Dan Spader. He says, the great commission and the great commandment must be held together in one thought. Because we love God, we love people. Because we love people, we make disciples. To try to make disciples without loving gains nothing. And if we say we love people but never try to make disciples, then our love is a lie. As we love God, we will love people. Do you guys get that? How important our love is. Not just in, oh, I, I feel like loving someone, but I am going to act on loving someone, how important that is. So next week, Pastor Daniel is going to break down the different spiritual phases that we go through, and he's going to talk a little bit about that and becoming mature followers of Christ. Um, our goal through this series is to help you understand how our vision and mission need the fertile ground of disciple-making to thrive. Disciple-making is a process of growing and helping others grow. I said last week that we should all grow up a little this year. Have you guys been thinking about that over the last week? 
We all need to think about that and be intentional about it. That's what maturity does. It grows, right? It grows and it produces fruit. That's why we're going to focus on the verbs in our mission statement. We want to call out the action required for the task that God has given us. And I also want you to see that you're not just buying into destiny's vision. This is the call of every believer. If I wasn't a pastor, this would still be my call. We have all been commissioned with this. He says, and I read it just earlier, where he says, we're to go teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Obedience is another action verb that is very, very important. Disciples obey. And so I just want to very briefly touch on those three parts of our mission statement, and then I'm going to let others throughout the rest of the series break them down more. But that first one, becoming mature followers of Christ. Now, we chose followers, but we almost chose disciples. So those two could really be interchangeable. Um, we knew that within the church, you would understand what a disciple is, but we, we thought outside the church, they might not know, so we chose the word follower. But I want you to see the adjective that we put there, mature, because that's part of our culture. Very important that we are building a mature church. Um, so I have this, this process that I have done since my kids were very little. Um, every morning, I have these little bowls. I would put their vitamins, their little chewable vitamins, and I would put it next to their breakfast. And I have done this as long as we can remember. The girls ask where the, their bowl is when it's not there. Well, Megan, obviously, was the first that I exercised this on. And she never really liked vitamins, still does not like that kind of thing. And um, so... I, you know, we kind of had to push through this, and I thought we had made some advances, and she was doing better. I noticed the vitamins were gone, right? Until one day I started cleaning, and I noticed there were about a dozen behind the refrigerator. There were about a dozen underneath the couch, and I felt like everywhere I went, I found about a dozen vitamins. She kept hiding them instead of eating them. Well, we don't always like what we need or what is necessary, right? Well, today we're going to have to take our vitamins. <laughs> we're going to have to. <coughs> we all need to be proactive in the important things. It's just essential. There is no hiding under bushels what God has given us, right? It is very important that we focus on these things that God has called us to do and we take the action needed. Now, I want to quickly touch on the three Bs that we're breaking down. The process of growing in our spiritual maturity is disciple-making. How do we become mature? Well, first we have to recognize that we don't do it alone. We don't do it alone, that it takes community. It takes serving. It, it takes all of the mission statement for us to mature. It's all part of the process. And we do it for us, but we also do it for others, and then we also do it because it's a mandate in the Scripture. So there are many, many reasons for us to focus on and to make um, intentional our growth. Surefire proof of a follower is in their disciple-making. Maturing in your walk is all about obedience. So I'm going to ask you a question. What are you doing to ensure that what God is doing in you is passed on to two or three other people? Have you asked yourself that lately? If not, it's time to start. We all need to be asking ourselves that. I know, look, all of our lives are busy. My life is very busy. But we all have time to do what God has called us to do. We all have time for that. Um, as we move through this study, um, some of you are going to realize that you're already doing this. You're already pouring into some people. And some of us are going to get convicted because we're not. And that just means that's okay, no condemnation. It's time to start. 
Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to take a little side note and say I'll be the first to say that we should be making disciples of our children. Um, it's very, very important. We should be that intentional. Parents and grandparents, if you have not read Deuteronomy 5 this month to just refresh yourself on what it says you need to, we should keep that ever before us. It talks about the importance of being intentional with our children, but that's called parenting. We also need to have some adults on top of that that we're pouring into because we should be doing it, but also that teaches our children something too. When they watch us do what we teach them, it's very, very important. It's very important. So um, everyone in here needs to have two or three people that they are discipling. And I know that for some of us that can feel overwhelming. We're going to break that down over the next three weeks and help you so that you don't feel overwhelmed by that. So you don't feel like, I'm not a teacher. I don't know how to do that. We're going to take care of that. We're going to help you in that. So the second thing we're going to look at is belonging to authentic community. You're going to see in there is another adjective that is very, very important to us, authenticity. It's very, very important that what you see here is not fake, that it just comes genuinely from our hearts. And so we made sure that we put it in our mission statement. Disciple making is cultivated within Christian community. The individual body of believers that God calls us to is not just about finding friends to hang out with. We should do that with our people. God wants us to enjoy them, but everything about the Christian faith is intentional. You need to belong to a community that promotes and fosters your maturity. Not just that wants to hang out with you, but that promotes and fosters your maturity. Sometimes that is messy. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes it's messy, and sometimes it can feel a little uncomfortable, and I think that's why a lot of people shy away from it. Don't let that be a reason that you do, because sometimes in the mess is where we get better. It's where we uncover the things that God wants us to uncover, and we see them, and others see them, and they still choose to be in community with us. Uh, we need a few different levels of community in our lives. Jesus had his multitude. He had his 12. He had his three. He had his one. We need all of those levels. If you like listening to podcasts, you listen to your favorite preacher um, on YouTube, that's great. That's like taking part in the multitude teaching. And that's a fun way of taking part. And it's also a, an uninvasive way. Um, it's not nearly as uncomfortable. Um, it's a little bit easier to just sit and glean, right? But Jesus also had his 12. And that's where it starts to get a little personal. Everyone in here, look at me, everyone in here, you need 12. You need a community group or a serve team, somewhere that you can be intentional about it. Now, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about Jesus 12. I think sometimes we get this picture in our mind of this just happy, cheerful group of people who just loved camping and moving along with Jesus. He chose these people from, like, many different backgrounds. There was a tax collector and there were fishermen. Do you think they always woke up happy to see each other? Do you think they would have chosen to travel together? That's normally what happens in our, our 12. It's just a group of people that would not be in connection if it were not for God connecting us. And we need that because it sharpens us in a way that just the people we choose don't sharpen us. And so you need that. But then we all need to choose two or three that we are also pouring into. Now, I am going to challenge you in this series to find your disciples. I don't want anyone leaving the series thinking, I need to find someone to disciple me. You're not going to do that. 
I think that is part of the problem of the American church. Everyone's sitting in their pew, they're sitting in their seat, waiting for someone to give to them. That's not what this gospel talks about. This gospel says that we are to be givers. We give, and then God makes sure that we get what we need. Everyone in this room has enough truth in them to give it to somebody else. Right now, you're sitting under a multitude of of teaching. You are getting taught. You are getting discipled. You have something that you can go and tell somebody else. Everyone this year needs to find their two or their three. Don't get overwhelmed. Start with one. If you don't have anybody, start with one, but work up to the two or the three. We need to be givers. We need to step up. We need to give what God has given us. That third one that we're going to break down is building kingdom causes. And you're going to notice that we put kingdom in there because that is very important to us. We are about building the kingdom, not about a little castle that will not stand the test of time, but the kingdom of God. And that's why whenever we choose a cause to serve, most of the time it is a cause that's already well established outside of our church because we believe in all of these things. We don't need to to, um, replicate what they're already doing. We just want to come alongside them. 1 Samuel 17, 29 is where we got that word when we were first putting together our core values. Um, It's where David comes up to the fight with Goliath, and he sees all these people standing around doing nothing. And he says, is there not a cause? And I just love his childlike faith in this story. See, everyone else was intimidated by the size of the challenge. The need outweighed their ability. And that was, that was true. Those were the facts, right? But, G, but um, David walked up, and he, he knew what he knew about God. And he looked at this, and he's like, I, be, I choose to believe my God. Is there not a cause? Well, that word cause, it's a principle or movement or a charitable undertaking. So kingdom causes are movements and undertakings that advance God's kingdom. And they're normally evangelistic in nature. um, They address the latter part of our vision, the city and the world, but in turn they minister to the former, our homes. It all comes together. They all touch each other. They're all important. So you want to focus on your home and minister to your home? Focus on the city and the world. Do it with your family because it will come back and bless your family. Now, I've I've heard many people talk about how the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom, how, you know, in order to get, you've got to give. In order to live, you've got to die. In order to go up, you've got to go down. And I just wonder, is it an upside-down kingdom, or does the world have it backward? You know, because God's ways are right, right? And so we know that we are blessed to be a blessing, that we're set free to lead others to freedom. We're made strong to use our strength on behalf of others. See, it's about us, but it's not just about us. I think that we have capitalized on the first part of that statement in the American church. We have made it all about us. The worship songs need to make me feel good. The message needs to make me feel good. What does this church have to offer me? But we've got to remember it's not just about us. It's also about what we give and what we invest in others. It's in this point of our mission that we find the culmination of our vision. Yes, for this church, but also for us as individuals. John 13, 35 says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
Did you get that? How are they going to know we're disciples? By our love, right? And love is an action, right? So it means that we have to do something, just like these bees, just like our, our becoming and our belonging and our building. They take action on our part. They're so very important. Now, we have had this phrase that we've kind of thrown around for years. We actually we probably haven't used it in the last couple years. But early on at Destiny, anytime we would introduce a new cause that we were going to support, we would say, you know, we can't do everything, but we can do something. See, I think it's time that we be a David. What he was up against was big. And I think that sometimes as believers, we look at the need. We look at the world and the condition that it's in, and we're just overwhelmed. Where do we start? How can I even make a difference? There's so many organizations. There's so many people in need. There's so many lost. But I don't think we're supposed to do everything. I think each of us is just supposed to do something. And I think that we all need to adopt that. What can you do to minister to kingdom causes? What can you do with your hands? What can you do with your checkbook? Some of us are going to be able to lean more into one than the other, but we should all be doing both. For some of you, it's just going to be taking meals to somebody. Somebody. Some of you, it might be watching um, a single mother's kids. Somebody, it might be changing a tire. Somebody, it might be supporting a missionary. Some people, it might be becoming a missionary or going on a mission trip. What can you do to advance the kingdom of God in your world and in your city? And in your home. I want us all over the next three weeks as we go through this series to be thinking about that on a personal level. Because again, it doesn't even matter if you're only at Destiny for another three months. No matter what church you go to, this is still your calling. This is every individual's calling. And I want us all to take it very personally. And I want us to constantly ask ourselves, what can I do? Um, we're going to go back into the song. You guys can start playing it. Um, belief for it. And the reason I chose this song as our closing song is because I want us to believe for the impossible. I know that the, the harvest, I know that it's plentiful. And I know that the workers are few. But we need to believe for the impossible. God can take what we give him and he can multiply it in a powerful way. And I want to stir that in each of you today. Why don't you guys stand up with me? I want to stir that in you in a powerful way. Are you in the boat? And if you would say yes, that's amazing. Are you rowing? Are you, are you working with the team? Because if not, it's time. We have a destination. We are advancing the kingdom of God. And that is a mighty, we talked about it last week. We talked about the honor that it is. It's a mighty calling. It's an honor that God would include us in that, that we get to advance the kingdom of God. What are you doing to help do that? I'm asking myself that. So I don't say it as condemnation. I want us all to think, what do I need to do to mature this year? Who do I need to take along with me in maturity this year? And what do I need to do with my maturity this year? As we go into this song, 
just want you to ask yourself, have I been drifting? And is it time to pick up my oar and be more intentional and just believe the great big thing?